Hey, good morning, Springbrook. It's so good to have you here today. And I tell you what, January was some kind of month, huh? Wow. It set the record for the third largest snowfall in recorded history here in Chicago. Uh, I believe it was 33 and a half inches, 42 uh, back in 1918. <laughs> and then the bitter cold, uh, coldest temperature, January 6th at noon, it was negative uh, 14. Yeah, it's been a wild month. I'm just curious, is there anyone here who would say, you know, I would like to have another January this February. Is there anybody who really likes the cold and snow like that? I would appreciate you coming to talk with me afterwards, because I really want to know what's going on in your head. Okay, what what's the deal with you? Not that there's anything wrong with you, but... Uh, well, it's been a very memorable... Uh, experience for the Harrison household as we reflect on January 2014, several months ago, our water pressure started to go down. And about three weeks ago, I said, man, I got to do something about this. So I uh, looked on the Internet, <laughs> turned off my water, uh, my water softener, uh, called some guys here at the church and they helped me out. And what I discovered was uh, through their wisdom is that uh, there was a uh, break between my water shutoff in my house and the buffalo box in the front yard where the city and my water line uh, comes together. And so I said, oh my, <laughs> this could be under the foundation, this break. It could be under the stoop. It could be under the yard. And this could be very expensive. So I better do some research. So I made all kinds of calls. And this is the thing I want you to take, to take away from this. is It was stressful uh, trying to identify what the problems were and get plumbing 101 education. <laughs> but I just kept praying. And I say, Lord, you know, this is not what I wanted at this time. I got other things going on. But I really pray that you would show up here. I pray that you would... Guide me to the right people. I pray that you would help me to find the right contractor. I pray that you would bring the right people along who can give me wisdom about this. And friends, he did. He did. An amazing thing. And so what happened was, is I, I went through this. I have a picture here of our water pressure the day that uh, it was fixed. That is our shower. Okay. That is our shower, and I just want to thank my lovely wife here uh, for all the patience uh, that she showed. Yeah, please. <laughs> what I realized was that uh, water to a person who cares for a house is a very important tool. <laughs> it's kind of like my computer being down. And uh, she did really well until that one night when she threatened to go to her mother's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was really difficult on her more than anybody. Uh, but that was our water pressure uh, that morning. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I realized it wasn't going through a water meter, thank you, uh, but it was going down into our drain tile. So this is our sump pump, and I calculated that three gallons of water 
uh, we're going through uh, that drain tile per minute. <laughs> Three gallons, all right? And uh, so that's how serious the problem uh, was. So I continued to explore, and I finally found, through God's uh, provision, uh, the contractor called Xtink. S-T-I-N-K. Anybody work with Xtink before? Yeah, they're great, man, I tell you. Perfect from God. Uh, they came, and uh, he was sure, and, and many other people were sure, that it was by the bee box, the water box. And so they dug a hole here, as you see, uh, in my front yard. Uh, four feet deep, four feet wide, ten feet long. And there was no leak there. <laughs> okay, all right. Where is that leak? And he said, well, let's try by the porch. So here you see a four by four, six feet long hole uh, by my porch. And this is where the problem was. Uh, the copper pipe came out of my house, and uh, there was a coupling there. This was built 50 years ago. Uh, so they put couplings when, of course, that's not a good thing to do. <laughs> but uh, here you see a picture of a copper pipe and a coupling. And, of course, the idea is to get a really tight fit. Well, what they told me was that the person who did this did not do it right. It wasn't flared properly, and therefore... Uh, the water eroded the copper over 50 years. Like I was talking with Lori, and she said, yeah, our water pressure has gone down quite a bit. So it's been going on for years. And, of course, as you see in this next picture, you'll see what it looked like uh, once they brought it up. I mean, this copper wire was just totally cached. Uh, you'll see the, the coupling uh, down there at the bottom there, dirty on the left hand side, uh, but that's exactly what had happened. Uh, so I'm so thankful to God. They covered it up, and I had done some, uh, I had different estimates done, and they charged me a third less than the minimum estimate that I got. Uh, you see, that's God, right? You wait on Him, and He provides. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Praise God. Now, um, this is my yard now. Uh, looks like I'm burying bodies in the front yard. <laughs> looks like I'm a mobster. All right. Lori put on the Internet, it's an easy way to shovel your uh, snow. <laughs> it's an unusual uh, sight. But, uh, again, so grateful. Again, the picture of our initial shower. Uh, this is our shower now. Oh! It is glorious, my friend, to step into that shower. I mean, you, you aim that shower, it goes all the way to the back wall. I mean, I've never appreciated a shower so much. My son told me, I'm always surprised when I get in there. It's kind of like, whoa, <laughs> knock me back against the wall. <laughs> so uh, as you contrast these two things, here's my point. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the power behind uh, spiritual transformation. The Holy Spirit is the power behind our ministry and, and allowing us to do spiritual transformation through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Now, the question is, is uh, how are we doing in letting the Holy Spirit flow through our lives? Are we more like the top, uh, where it's just a little bit of a trickle, or is it more like the bottom, 
where it's full force, or is it somewhere in between? I mean, there's really two key things. First of all, you've got to maintain your pipes, right? And the way you maintain your pipes is you stay close to God, and you deal with sin in your life. Because sin is what puts the leaks in the pipes. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Fifty years of erosion. Fifty years this thing went on. And for some of us, we, we have issues in our life that have gone on for years and years, and we allow the sin to continue until all of a sudden we lose all water pressure. We lose all the Holy Spirit's power, and we wonder what's going on. And it could be a very subtle sin in our lives uh, that we've allowed to grow. And again, uh, what happens is, is the Spirit's power is not going where it should be because we have a rebellion in our heart. Against God, that's why we have to continue to keep a close eye on the spiritual garden of our lives and keep pulling uh, those weeds. Uh, the second thing is you got to turn on the tap. And a lot of people refuse to turn on the tap because they're just too prideful. I'll do it my own way, right? And this is also true of the church. We are all interconnected together, whether we like it or not. We are. If you're a regular attender, if you call Springbrook your church home, we are connected together. And if the, if the Spirit's not flowing through you, it's impacting the ministry of this church. It's, it's impacting the influence of this church. It's impacting our capacity to bring about life transformation. That's a serious thing. You say, but I'm just a little pipe. Well, yeah, you're an important pipe. Okay, you've got to keep your pipe healthy. You've got to keep praying so the Holy Spirit's power would flow through your pipe in order to transform people's lives uh, through our ministry uh, together. One more thing is, you know, this is not a big problem. <laughs> Relatively, uh, people have much more significant problems. But you just need to keep praying, guys. Even though it's an impossible situation in your marriage, in your health, whatever it might be. You just keep on depending upon God, and He will send mercies into your life. The other person might not change, but you'll change. right? The situation might not change, but your attitude toward the situation will change. As I was going through this, I got quite discouraged at points, uh, trying to find somebody. Uh, that's a long story, but all that to say is we're going to get discouraged. But you just got to keep praying, giving it over to Jesus, saying, Lord, I I'm not going to be in control of this anymore. Okay? So, all right. Well, let's uh, take a look at our uh, theme for today, praying for courage in the mission. Uh, just briefly, last week, uh, we looked at the early church and how they operated. And this is how every church, I believe, uh, should operate. It's a biblical model. And we've had a... Focus on membership over the last couple of weeks, and we've been encouraging people to consider membership, and, and these really are the five commitments of membership. We devote ourselves uh, to learning. Uh, so the idea that, you know, if you're going to be a member, we like to have you here every Sunday in order to uh, be a part of our family. And we devote ourselves to worship. There's all types of worship. 
Uh, we expect a member to, to give regularly to support the ministry. We devote ourselves to relationships. Uh, we expect members to be involved in a small group or a task group. We devote ourselves to service. We expect members to be involved in ministry. We devote ourselves to outreach. We expect members uh, to be involved in evangelism, lifestyle evangelism, loving people to Jesus. Those are the five commitments of membership. And I've talked with a lot of people recently, just kind of dialoguing with them, under trying to understand why they haven't maybe taken a step. I just want people to move closer to membership. I'd like to make them... Like to have them make that decision uh, someday, uh, but what's keeping them from it? And some people say, "Well, I, I do all those things anyway." And I say, "Yeah, you're right. So make a public profession. Let other people know that this is the church that God has called you to to use your gifts and and to be in relationship and to serve and all those different things." Uh, membership really is saying, "I'm in." I'm official in a sense, okay? I'm making an official commitment to this body. The second part of membership that's so important is accountability. Uh, when we put a person in charge of a small group, we ask them to be committed to the membership process or maybe they're already a member because if we entrust souls to them, for them to shepherd, we want to make sure that they're a Christ follower, number one, as part of the membership process. We want to make sure that uh, they agree with our statement of faith. We're on the same page theologically. We want to make sure also that they're willing to submit uh, to the leadership of this church and how we operate uh, this church. So that's also important as well. So continue to think about that. I have a membership class coming up uh, next uh, week after the service, and we would love to have you as a part of that. Well, let's jump into our text, Acts uh, 3.6. A uh, little context here. Uh, Peter and John are ministering. They're going to the temple to meet with the uh, church. Uh, this is a time of prayer. Uh, they come across a man who's been lame uh, since birth. He sits at the, at, at the temple beautiful or the gate beautiful uh, there at the temple. And he's just uh, a fixture. Everybody knows who this guy is, guy is. I'm sure he's probably been sitting there for, who knows, 35 years. He's 40 years old. And he's been begging. So everybody knows who this guy is. And he's asked Peter and John for money. And Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the guy gets up. Okay. you got to remember, everybody knows who he is. And they see him walking around. And oh, man. I mean, people are amazed. They're astonished. They're blown away. And, and all of a sudden... Uh, the news just ripples through the crowd. You wouldn't believe what happens. And everybody gathers around this guy and people start praising God. And, and this gets Peter and John in trouble with uh, the Sanhedrin. They were the kind of like the Supreme Court of that day. They were the ruling party. And uh, they were the ones who uh, wanted all the attention to themselves. They wanted uh, the Jewish people to honor and respect them. And that's why they got rid of Jesus. Uh, but Jesus isn't going away. Okay. Now Peter and John and the other disciples are representatives of Jesus just as we are. And so uh, they bring them in and uh, they interview them. And Peter and John have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. Uh, look in Acts 4.12. And there is salvation, they say, and no one else. 
For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, that's a pretty bold thing to say. They say Jesus is the only way to heaven, and the Sanhedrin don't even believe in Jesus. They killed him, in fact, right? So uh, they have no fear here. Uh, Verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, just like that type of statement, and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. As they remember Jesus coming uh, to appear before them and uh, seeing the disciples with them. Acts 4.14, But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. <laughs> I mean, you got this guy that everybody knows, and he's probably standing there for about three hours uh, based on the text, and they're saying, okay, <laughs> we definitely got a miracle going on here, uh, something uh, supernatural. So what do you say? You shouldn't have done that. <laughs> well, you can't really say that because, again, public opinion uh, was, of course, uh, for the apostles and what they were doing in helping uh, this man. Verse 18, so they called them. And charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. <laughs> okay, so we can listen to you or we can listen to God. That kind of puts them in a corner, right? And that's another offensive thing to say to them. Saying, hey, uh, you know, we can listen to uh, uh, God. Or uh, listen to somebody else like you. He said, you must judge. You must make uh, that uh, decision. And they go on to say, for we cannot speak of what we have seen and heard. What they were saying is that Jesus Christ has transformed our lives so much. We just can't keep our mouths shut. I mean, you're telling us not to speak about the most important thing. In our lives. And, and we're just not going to do that. <laughs> so, uh, and when they had heard, so they, well, maybe we'll throw some more threats at them. You know, we're going to put you in prison, we're going to kill you, whatever, who knows what it was. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. They couldn't do anything. I mean, if, if they would have done something, the people would have revolted. Uh, because. Peter and John were used by the Holy Spirit to heal this man. Verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 21. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Oh, that's old. That's old. <laughs> hey, we all know that the uh, uh, new 60 is 40, right? <laughs> well, back in that day, they only lived uh, to about 50 years, typically, uh, and this man, I, th- I think the point here more is that he had been lame for 40 years and all of a sudden now the guy is walking around. And, and, and the point here is you cannot argue with a transformed life. You cannot argue with a transformed life. What God does is he moves into a person's life and he takes a broken marriage and he repairs it. He brings a rebellious son or daughter home. He helps a person have the power to overcome a very powerful addiction in their lives. 
He helps a person have a totally different uh, approach to dealing with their family. No longer are they filled with anger toward their family, but they're, they're filled with love and patience. Friends, those are all supernatural things. And when supernatural things happen, people notice. So one of the things as we walk as Christ followers, we need to be praying that Jesus Christ would transform our lives because not only is that His will, but people are watching us. And, and people are always watching. And they can pick up all kind of subtleties in what we say and our attitudes and things like that. Has anybody ever said to you, hey, what's been going on with you? You seem different. That's a good sign if it's a positive thing. <laughs> all right? So, so the idea is, is one of the most powerful ways you can be a witness is to continue to grow, continue to deal with sin in your life, continue to become more like Jesus Christ. But you've got to give the credit to Jesus right at some point. Because otherwise, people change for a lot of different reasons and a lot of different ways. But you've got to give the credit to Jesus. Say, Jesus has transformed my life. Now, this whole passage is talking about persecution, obviously. And I want to just take a moment to talk about this world watch list you can find on the web. It defines persecution around the world. Persecution occurs whenever believers are denied the protection of religious freedom, prevented from converting to Christianity because of legal or social threats, physically attacked or killed because of their faith, forced to leave their job or home because of the threat of violence, or imprisoned and interrogated and often tortured for refusing to deny their faith. All of those things are going on today. People are dying for Jesus. People are being imprisoned for Jesus. People are being abused for Jesus. People are losing their jobs uh, for Jesus. People are being threatened uh, for Jesus. Here you see the map uh, that they have on the website. The red is the more serious areas of persecution. But did you know that 75% of the, the world's population lives in these areas? Lives in these areas... Uh, where there is some type of religious restrictions going on, where you can't live out your Christian life as you would here in the United States. We just need to be aware of that. Many of you have seen uh, Kenneth Bay in the news. Uh, Kenneth Bay grew up in Washington. Uh, he went to uh, China to be with his daughter, and he started a North Korean tour uh, trip. I don't know why, why anybody would do that, but, <laughs> but, but, but his heart was orphans and refugees, okay? And so that's why he went. Uh, he wanted to minister to orphans and refugees, and last year, uh, it's not clear, maybe he had a Bible on him, maybe, maybe they knew who he was, but he was arrested, and he was put in jail. And here's a picture of him today. Uh, again, he's in very, very bad physical uh, shape, and you'll probably be hearing more about him in the news. But let's be praying for Kenneth, that God uh, would release him, that God would provide for him in this situation. Another story I saw on the web was of uh, Aminajad, and he is in China. And young guy uh, started a family, two young girls, wife. Uh, they started a fruit farm, and uh, a couple years in, 
the government came in. They arrested him uh, for sharing uh, state secrets as well as sharing the gospel with the original uh, people. And uh, he was put in prison back in 2008 for 15 years. And he is not doing well. His wife and uh, daughters have moved from that area because of all the persecution they felt and the pressure uh, from that area. Friends, we need to realize that this is going on. We also need to realize that a decade from now, 20 years from now, it's going to get worse and worse here in the United States for Christ followers. We are going to be suffering more and more uh, for Jesus. Uh, there's so many issues now. Of course, you think about abortion, our stand. Uh, we believe that life begins at conception. You think about same-sex marriage. In fact, at our annual meeting uh, this year, uh, we are going to be asking our members to approve this change uh, to our statement of faith. You can read it here. Marriage. Uh, we believe in the scriptural definition of marriage and the teachings and practices of this church. And therefore, example, this church will not officiate, solemnize, perform a host of marriage or marriage-like ceremony involving anything other than the union of one man with one woman as instituted uh, by God. Amen. Amen. Friends, we have to take a stand. Now that Illinois has legalized same-sex marriage, uh, we just have to say we do not believe in that. We do not want to endorse that. We don't want to host that. We don't have anything to do with it. Now, we love gay and lesbian people, and we want to minister to them, but we are not going to sanction something that is so unbiblical. Uh, and again, uh, if you'd like more information about that, you can go on the web on our Springbrook website and go to my March 17th uh, sermon on the truth about same-sex marriage. Uh, if you have questions about that, and I'd love to talk with you about that. Uh, but we really feel that we need to add that to the statement of faith. And friends, it's just going to continue uh, to get worse. And we will suffer for Jesus. We will suffer uh, for Jesus. And, and what we need to realize is that uh, you know, Jesus said we would suffer. In fact, you know, if you're not suffering in some way for Jesus, maybe you're not saying enough about Jesus. Okay? I was coaching a person in evangelism recently, and I said, it's very important that you use the name of Jesus Christ. Don't use the word God anymore. Use the name of Jesus Christ. God, you know, God, oh, there's all kinds of definitions of God. But when you, when you use the powerful name, of Jesus Christ that people take in vain so much, and they take him in vain because they can't stand him, because he is a person that is going to determine their future, whether they receive him or reject him. Uh, Jesus Christ's name is going to speak volumes. And friends, I tell you what, if you identify with Christ on the job, if you identify with Christ uh, with your uh, people you do soccer with or dance or whatever the case might be, if you identify with Christ with your neighbors, people are going to respond to you. And I tell you, there are so many Christ followers uh, who are closet Christ followers because they don't want other people to think that they're weird. They don't want other people to think that they're not intelligent because they're a Christ follower. They want to fit into a particular social group. Uh, they don't want to feel different. But friends... 
Jesus Christ is our Savior. And we need to speak of him. doesn't mean we have to get out of the street corner. But as the opportunities arise, we need to, to step up again through the power of the Spirit, right? And say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And be proud of that. And again, yeah, it might bring some negative things into your life. But Jesus Christ said, hey, you're going to suffer. And really, it says that's the greatest thing you could ever do for Jesus is suffer for him. Uh, because, again, he's not around for people to kick around. We're around for people to kick around because we represent the most offensive idea. And that is Jesus Christ is the only way uh, to God. All right. Well, let's continue here. And uh, uh, verse 23 it says, uh, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they had heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. Right there. What do you do when you run into a crisis? Well, number one is you uh, go, go to your friends for support and encouragement like they did. And that's why small groups are so important. We're in an open enrollment here. If you're not part of a small group, I would just challenge you, encourage you, exhort you. Uh, to become part of one, because the time to uh, build a finance, build a uh, excuse me a, a relational support network is not when you're in the middle of a storm. It's before the storm comes, and I, I'll just let you know trouble is on the way. Okay, I, got, I had a broken water pipe. Well, I'm going to have more problems in the future that are much more serious. Other than that, trouble's on the way. That's why Jesus Christ said, don't worry about tomorrow, today. you got enough trouble today, <laughs> you know, right? And I tell you what, friends, the way God designed the church was that you would have relationships so when trouble came, you would have people to lean upon. You would have people to pray for you. You would have people to encourage you, to carry your burdens. And one of the most effective ways that I found to encourage people in building those type of relationships is for small groups. So I encourage you to take uh, that step. So they got together and they shared their story. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. And that's the second thing. You talk to your friend about your issue and then you pray. Because that's how things happen, right? You want to get that Holy Spirit spigot going. You pray, Sovereign Lord. Lord, you are in control. I mean, I love this. Who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Now, who is the person you're having a problem with? Is it your spouse? Is it your child? Is it your boss? Is it a neighbor? Now, now take that person and compare them to God. Okay? Now, <laughs> does that put things in perspective? Okay, the creator of the universe and you got this person that's causing you some, some issues. Right? Or somebody's persecuting you. All right? You gotta put things in perspective. God is sovereign. He's the one who calls the shots. So he's the one to go to talk to about these things. It goes on, who through the mouth of the Father David your servant said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. That's from Psalm 2. That's a messianic psalm that speaks of Christ. It's a prophecy of what happened 
uh, to Christ. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan that predestined to take place. So God had planned that Jesus Christ would die on the cross for our sins. That was no surprise to him. But notice that everybody's included. Sometimes Christians are accused of being anti-Semitic. Uh, but you got Herod, who was a Jew. You got Pontius Pilate, who was a Gentile. And then everybody. Friends, we all put Jesus Christ on the cross because of our sin. Every one of us is guilty. Then we read in verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants uh, to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal uh, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Lord, give us boldness. Give us boldness, Lord, to continue to speak. Really, in a sense, what they were saying, Lord, take the fear away. And give us a boldness to trust in you that whatever we say, however we represent you, however we uh, speak to others about you, that we would not fear about the repercussions, but we would be bold. And the question that I have for myself and the question I have for you this morning is how bold are you for Jesus? Are, are you in the closet? How many people know that you're a Christ follower? How many people on the job know that you're a Christ follower? Now, again, don't be sending emails to everybody, but <laughs> the point, you know what I'm saying, right? You know what I'm saying. You, you, know, you know if you're hiding or not, Okay? And if you're hiding, you need to confess that sin. And then you need to say, Lord, man, I just, I got all kinds of fears about speaking out about you. And that's when you go to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, fill me with boldness. It's the Holy Spirit who fills you with boldness, not yourself, right? So that's what you pray for. If you're fearful and you're not telling people who you are in Jesus Christ, you need to say, God, help me to break through that. Give me supernatural power to represent you in a way I've never done before. That's what these people were doing. They're asking for his power. And then verse 31, and when he had, they had prayed, uh, the place uh, in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Prayer worked, didn't it? They prayed, and God gave them a bonus earthquake. <laughs> you just want to send them a message. I'm here, man. I'm listening. <laughs> That's great. But here's the verse, friends. What we need to realize, okay, as I've said before, is that we are a body here at Springbrook. And we, you know, these pipes uh, are delivery systems for the Holy Spirit's power. Right? The pipes are a delivery system for the Holy Spirit's power. So if we're going to have the Holy Spirit show up here in a powerful way, first of all, we have to maintain our pipes. And maybe you're here as a regular tender, and, and your pipes is full of holes. you got sin in your life. And you're saying, oh, that's no, that, that doesn't make a big deal. You know, I mean, they can do it without me. No, 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 no. The way God designed the church is if you've got a leaky pipe, 
If your life is filled with sin, it is influencing this ministry. It is, uh, it is taken away from the impact that God wants us to have. Each of us. Now, again, you know, as we grow toward Jesus, I'm not talking about perfection. All I'm saying is we need to pursue the righteousness of God through the Holy Spirit. We just need to continue to listen to the Spirit and deal with sins as God brings them to our mind. And as we do that, we become a, a stronger pipe. We become a stronger delivery system of the Holy Spirit in order that when that shower head turns on, man, that Holy Spirit's power just flows uh, right out. Uh, Ephesians 6 to 8, 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that and keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Again, we go back to the shower head here. Uh, what kind of shower head do you want to be? What kind of shower head do we want to be here at Springbrook? I, I certainly don't think we want to be the top one, right? But we want to continue to grow. We want to continue to maintain our, our, our prayer pipe. Uh, I think one of the best delivery systems of the Holy Spirit. And we need to continue to pray that God would transform our church. Uh, and, and again, as part of this is sin. Psalm 66, 18. If you had cherished sin in my heart, God says the Lord would not uh, have listened. Uh, then James 5, 16. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Now, it's true we have the righteousness of Christ laid upon us, but there's a practical righteousness uh, that the Holy Spirit empowers us to become more righteous in the way that we live uh, through his power. And so the point is, is that the more you live for Jesus, uh, year after year, the stronger you become in Jesus Christ, uh, the more powerful your prayers are. You know, the water pressure, the Holy Spirit pressure builds, okay, and not only does that influence your life, it influences the life of your family and influences the life of our body here. So uh, I just I want to encourage you uh, to grow in this area. And, and I want to encourage myself uh, to continue to pray that I would be a man of prayer, that I would set the pace, uh, that I would uh, continue to grow in dependence on Jesus Christ for the ministry of this church. Now, my desire this year is that I would spend more time in prayer for this ministry than I have in, in the years before, uh, that I would be more dependent upon God. Uh, and, and I encourage you that, please, please, could you pray for Springbrook every day? In fact, if you pull out your notes, you'll have a uh, uh, message notes. You'll have a list of prayer requests there, uh, ten different prayer requests that maybe you can put in your prayer uh, list. I, I encourage everybody to have a prayer list uh, because typically if you don't have a prayer list, you're not going to be praying for things that are not emotionally close to your heart. Uh, but let's pray for Springbrook every day. Uh, let's continue to pray that God would uh, make us righteous practically. And uh, let's pray that uh, our prayer pipes <laughs> would be strong uh, delivers of the Holy Spirit's uh, power. Now we're going to have a special time here a prayer, a little different than we've done in the past. I'm going to ask our small, or our prayer team leaders uh, to stand up and go to their locations. And we're, gonna, we're just going to pray for our ministry. Just take your insert uh, with you. And uh, we would love to have you join uh, one of these prayer uh, leaders. Okay? So the idea is to get, you know, five, six, whatever people 
praying together. And you don't have to pray. You just have to join with them, and I think it will be a real encouragement uh, to your heart. Now, at the same time, if you don't feel comfortable with that, that's fine. You can just pray in your seats uh, for the ministry of Springbrook. But I would encourage you uh, to hook up. Everybody raise your hand if you're a prayer leader. If you're a prayer leader, raise your hand. Okay. Got uh, three in back. Uh, one, two, three, four across here. Uh, if you could come over here, Dick. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, so why don't we all stand up Okay, for a moment? You can stand up for a moment. All right. And, and right now I'd ask you to go to one of these prayer leaders if you feel comfortable. Okay? So just uh, go out and ask our small group leaders to lead here and, and other people who are leaders in our ministry uh, because we want to show God that we're serious about prayer. Okay? So I uh, would ask you just to step out and, and join us uh, in prayer. Uh, you can be seated now and uh, let's pray together.